Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day that you have given to us. And we thank you, Lord, for the call that Jesus puts on our lives to follow him above all else. Uh, to not just be fans, but to be true, committed followers. Lord, shape us more and more into your image so that we become the people that you want us to be, pointing people toward your kingdom reign. In Jesus' name we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week, Pastor Andrews started us off with our summer sermon series on the way of Jesus from belief to action. And um, so today we're talking about following. Um, who do you follow on Facebook or on YouTube or Twitter or Instagram? Uh, do you have maybe a favorite author or a band or a sports team? Even if you're not you know, on social media, uh, you probably have somebody that you follow. Uh, and if you're a follower, it means that you, you know, occasionally read or watch or sometimes voraciously read or watch their stuff whenever it's convenient for you. For me, that's Andrew Peterson and The Rabbit Room and The Bible Project and Tim Keller. Uh, for sports, it's Rolling Story, of course, and Iowa State, Go Cyclones. <laughs> And Michigan State, because that's where Sarah's entire family went uh, when she was growing up. We all have people and groups and ways of life that we follow. Uh, maybe for you it's a favorite news channel that you always have on, or a political party that you belong to. Uh, maybe you have a particular friend group that you spend a lot of time hanging out with. Or you have this all-consuming goal that, that your life is focused on, that you are working hard toward accomplishing. Those passions and hobbies and interests can be helpful and fulfilling, but we have to be careful not to let them become obsessions or even addictions. When we put ourselves and our agenda at the center of our lives, we often end up living for some other person or thing or idea that doesn't necessarily have our best interest in mind. We have to watch out that we don't get, that we don't follow the wrong person or ideology or way of life, or we could be led down the wrong path. Jesus says, follow me. Another way of saying it is, be my disciple. Now, we don't often use the word disciple today, um, other than referring to the 12 disciples of Jesus. Uh, or sometimes we use it in kind of a negative way. You know, like, ah, that guy, he's just Putin's disciple. Uh, but we do use the word, the related word, discipline. Again, sometimes that gets used negatively, thinking of, you know, punishment. Anybody go to school back in the days where if you spoke out of line or whatever, you got whacked with a ruler? <laughs> yep, if you... <laughs> that kind of discipline. But we also use it to talk about self-control. 
training that corrects, molds, or perfects your mind or moral character. That kind of discipline involves firm commitment, self-sacrifice, and hard work toward a goal. In Luke 6, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They were like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Everywhere we look these days, we can see people who blindly follow political parties, powerful leaders, or unhealthy ways of life. If we're honest, we can see the same tendency in ourselves. I don't know about you, but for me, it's awfully easy to get sucked into scrolling through Facebook. <laughs> you know, I, I go there to, to look up somebody in particular, and, oh, and 15 minutes later, it's like, what was I looking for? <laughs> um, or sometimes I go off on a rabbit trail, you know, on online or, you know, somewhere else, um, and I end up getting distracted from focusing on what I actually need to accomplish. We often build our lives on shaky foundations. We misplace our trust. We follow the wrong people. We pour ourselves into projects and ambitions that don't lead to life. In Ephesians, Paul says, I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He goes on to talk about how they separate themselves from the life of God because of their ignorance and their hard hearts. They indulge themselves. They're full of greed. And then he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is calling us not just to tweak a few things about ourselves, but to become new people. It means not just making a few New Year's resolutions and giving up on them a few weeks later, but taking on a whole new way of life. True transformation happens only when we die to ourselves and rise again. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily 
and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Being a disciple is a daily series of decisions. Continually follow, choosing to follow Christ rather than your own desires. Kyle Eidelman wrote a book that we have in our church library called Not a Fan. And it ties in really well with the children's message that Allison gave this morning. Uh, not a fan. Uh, you've maybe heard that as a phrase, you know, oh, such and, you know, such and such a team or such and such a person, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Follower of Jesus. It's a challenging, convicting book with lots of encouraging stories. Uh, in it, he talks about how a fan is really an enthusiastic admirer. Someone who cheers on a team and then, you know, if the team isn't going so well, Kyle says, I think Jesus has a lot of fans these days. Fans who cheer for him when things are going well, but who walk away when it's a difficult season. Fans who sit safely in the, ch in the stands, cheering, but they know nothing of the sacrifice and pain of the field. Fans of Jesus who know all about him, but they don't know him. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Ouch. He says, most of us don't mind Jesus making some minor change in our lives, but Jesus wants to turn our lives upside down. Fans don't mind him doing a little touch-up work, but Jesus wants complete renovation. Fans come to Jesus thinking tune-up, but Jesus is thinking overhaul. Fans want Jesus to inspire them, but Jesus wants to interfere with their lives. Jesus wants us to be all in. In the Middle Ages, there were times when uh, a whole group of soldiers would be baptized. You know, they'd come to faith and... Uh, but when they were going down into the river to be baptized, they would hold their sword arm out of, the, out of the water. All the rest of them would go under, but not their sword arm. It's like they were saying, okay, Jesus, you can be Lord of my life. You can be in control of me, but you can't control this. When I, what I do with this sword arm on the battlefield, that's not part of the deal. What would that be for you today? Would it be your wallet? <laughs> or your remote control? Or your phone? <laughs> what would it be for you that you hold back and say, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you, but not, not in this particular area? <laughs> Jesus wants all of who you are. 
When Martin Luther wrote about what baptism is really about, he says, what is the significance of baptizing with water? What difference does it make in our lives? He says, it signifies that the old Adam in us, together with all sins and evil desires, should be drowned by daily repentance and sorrow for sin and be put to death, and that the new person should come forth every day and rise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul says in Romans 6, We were buried, therefore, with him in, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Our worldly self is to be put to death each day so that the new self, the person that God created us to be in relationship with him, can be raised to new life each day. Not just once, but daily. Not just trying every day, but dying every day to follow Jesus. Well, what does it look like to die to ourselves every day? It means drowning our desires, our agendas, our plans, and our dreams. It means letting God shape us into new people who live differently. It means praying like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane, where, and I don't think he was just kind of standing there, <laughs> it talks about Jesus throwing himself down on the ground and, you know, his sweat was like drops of blood as he knew what he was about to face. And he said, Father, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. That was the moment of victory where he yielded himself to the will of his Father. Following his Father's will led Jesus to the cross. <laughs> but if you look at the other stained glass at the other end of the sanctuary, it also led to his resurrection. In Jesus' day, disciples learned from a rabbi or teacher by following him everywhere he went. If the rabbi went to the market, they followed him there. If he went to another town, they followed him there. If he went to visit someone who was sick, they followed him there. When the rabbi slept, they slept. When the rabbi ate, they ate. They followed him every step of the day. Well, why did they do that? Why didn't they just, you know, go to a class and then go home? Because they didn't just want to know what the rabbi knew, but they wanted to do what the rabbi did. They wanted to be like their rabbi. So they hung on his every word, followed him along hot, dusty roads until everything his feet kicked up was caked all over the front of him. A saying developed among the wise teachers of the day, 
May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you follow your rabbi so closely that the dust from his feet gets all over you. In his book, Kyle Eilman says, the most literal way to define a follower of Jesus is someone who goes where Jesus goes. If you are following Jesus wherever he wants you to go, he will take you towards the sinner that others wouldn't want to be seen with. You will find yourself among the sick that others try to avoid. If you follow Jesus, expect yourself to be, to be criticized by some of the religious people in your life. If you follow Jesus, you may find that your family thinks you're crazy. His did. You may find yourself being unfairly accused and unjustly treated by those in political office. Ultimately, if you follow Jesus wherever, you won't just end up covered in his dust. You will end up covered in his blood. What does being a, com a completely committed follower of Jesus look like? It means taking up the cross daily, dying to yourself, and living for Christ. And that really only happens by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your own willpower. Do you want to stop just being a fan of Jesus and become a true follower? of Jesus? Ask him to change your heart and life. Ask the Father to fill you again and again with the Holy Spirit. Watch and listen for where he's leading and join him in what he's already doing all around you. God's word declares to you, you are adopted. You are chosen. You are called. You are a follower. That's who you are. Now go live it out. Amen.